You're listening to a podcast from DTB. Welcome to the DTB In This Issue podcast for volume 48, number 12, December 2010. My name's Ike Hanachan, and I'm editor of Drug and Therapeutics Bulletin, and I'm joined by David Vitakali, DTB's deputy editor. Hello. The editorial in this month's issue is entitled 60 and Counting. David, perhaps you can illuminate us on what this uh, is about. Yes, well, this uh, this month we start with a, a celebration, um, recognising that the British National Formula, or BNF as, as most people um, call it, is is in its 60th edition. Um, those who have anything to do with prescribing use and admire this publication as one of the definitive guides on on how to safely prescribe. And so we thought it was right to to celebrate a publication that's been going since 1948. It's recognized uh, by all across the across the country and um, it seems a good good cause to uh, to make make the most of this this uh, landmark occasion. Um perhaps for completeness perhaps we should explain our relationship with the BNF. Yes, the, the, the BNF is is co-owned by uh, the Royal Pharmaceuticals or the Pharmaceutical Press and uh, BMJ Journal. So we are kind of related through uh, through marriage as it, as it were. But um, but DTB in its previous uh, incarnation when it was owned by the Consumers Association um, still admired BNF even in those days. So it, it, it our admiration for it precedes our our um, tie by marriage, as it were. Thank you. The first main article in this issue is entitled Which Insulin, Regimen and Device in Type 2 Diabetes? Now, the title kind of speaks for itself, David, but what are we trying to do in this article? As you say, I mean, we needn't say an awful lot more, I guess, but um, what we're trying to do is, is focus really on people with type 2 diabetes and recognising that at some point... Uh, in their in the management of their condition, some people will require uh, insulin to give them the best best control of their of their condition, be it symptom relief or or just overall management. And clearly, this isn't a, an, a light step to take for for patients and needs careful consideration. But when you get to the point where a patient is in need of insulin, it's quite a, there's quite an array of, of, of choice of insulin, choice of uh, regimes that you can use for insulin, and choice of devices. So what we try and do in this is is set out the different types of it, of insulin um, and the different regimens that could be used, and look at the devices as they might suit different people, uh, different stages of their life, different um, needs and requirements, and try and put together some some practical suggestions about, you know, if you are thinking of starting insulin, bear in mind the following issues and discuss it with the patient to see what's going to suit them in terms of, of the, the optimal um, regimen for their for their particular setting. I suppose some might think, aren't we making a bit of a big deal of it? Isn't it quite straightforward, really? If the patient needs insulin, can't be that much choice. Uh, well, the, the 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 options for just the the different types of regimen are are quite varied, um, and I think historically a lot of this work would have been done by specialist uh, nurses and specialist teams in in secondary care. But increasingly, this is coming into the domain of primary care, um, and so a new group of, of of nurses, clinicians who will be coming across this. 
um, much more frequently than they would have in the past. So it's it's trying to to give a a, a background for for a new set of prescribers and initiators of insulin, as well as the traditional groups. Thank you. The second main article in this issue is entitled Targanact Opioid Pain Relief Without Constipation. Now, what's so special about Targanact, David? Well, Targanact's a relatively new uh, product, which is a combination of the uh, strong opioid oxycodone and with the um, opioid antagonist naloxone. And the naloxone is, is added in to try and counteract some of the um, effects of, of opioids on the on the GI tract, causing constipation. So its aim is to try and minimise the kind of well-recognised side effects of opioids in, in causing causing const, constipation. And so we use the article to to really explore whether whether the evidence bears out this um, this benefit. How does it compare with with standard opiates and standard uh, laxative regimes? And in fact, does it do away with the need for laxatives? So try and explore whether the addition of this uh, component actually makes a big difference to patients. So it's clearly an interesting concept, combining an opioid with an opioid antagonist. Yes, and we, we in the article we explore you know the, the, some of the theoretical and, and practical issues that this this raises. Thank you. And the final main article in this issue is entitled "What Role for Topical Antibacterials in Acne." Again, David, a, a self-explanatory title. But what are the key issues that we're trying to explore here? Yes, it's something we've we've covered uh, covered before in terms of, of antibacterials uh, use in acne. What we're focusing on on particularly in this article is is some of the implications of antibacterial resistance and whether widespread use of topical antibacterials a is it any better than some of the other agents that you can use for topical agents you can use for acne. So how does it compare with with those? But also, are there uh, concerns from widespread use of topical antibacterials in development of of antibacterial resistance, both in terms of development of resistant organisms, but also whether the effectiveness of uh, the antibacterial agents themselves has reduced over time. So we use it to sort of bring bring the evidence up up to date uh, and compare uh, standard other treatments, as well as the resistance issues. Okay, thank you. We also have in this issue a note about our Don't Drop Mixtard 30 campaign. Mixtard 30 is a type of insulin which is due to be removed from the UK market at the end of December 2010. DTB has run a campaign opposing this move because we don't think it's in the best interest of patients or the wider NHS. The note just summarises where we've got to in terms of responses to our petition that's been running about this change and also what we feel um, will be the consequences for, for patients once the drug is removed from the market. To read these or other articles in DTB, please go to dtb.bmj.com. For more information about this programme and other BMJ Group podcasts, go to podcasts.bmj.com.